Hey there, and welcome back to The Will and Rob Show. It is great to be with you all. My name is Robert, Ministry Associate and Director of Communications for Ministry to Stay. And here with me, as always, my very good friend, Will, uh, also a Ministry Associate of Ministry to Stay. Will, uh, we are past Christmas now. We are looking towards the year end um, and also looking forward to a very exciting new year, uh, especially uh, with Ministry to State. We have a lot going on next year, um, and you are a key and instrumental part of all of that. How are you uh, preparing for the new year, both in your personal life and in ministry? Yeah, you know, I've been feeling for a while that I'm ready for 2021, 2021 to move past, move aside, and allow 2022 to arrive. And as this episode is being released on December 30th, uh, really just have one more day after this. And then here we are, 2022, which is going to be um, wild to think about uh, just how how it's already 2022. Um, but in terms of ministry for the year, uh, one of the, I think the big project I'm working on is we're doing a Bible study through Genesis on Monday nights. And Genesis is full of, there's so many different ways you could study it and take it, uh, different themes that you could look at. Um, you could just follow it chronologically and um, as chapter by chapter, you could do, uh, I was recommended from someone just the other night to follow the Toledotes, which is the Hebrew word for generations. These are the generations of, and so you would follow um, those different breakings in the book of Genesis as they appear. Um, but there's just so much in Genesis. Uh, there's so much there that uh, is, is informative and instructive for our living. We see who God is, what he is like. Um, and it's a reminder that scripture is, is not about us. It's not about sin. Uh, it's not even about redemption per se, but that the Bible is about God. Uh, and Genesis introduces us to this God and how he works um, and how he um, sets about his ministry of reconciliation and of redemption in this world. So that's the maybe the biggest thing that I'm working on. Um, what are you, what are you most excited about in this new year? Oh man, uh, so much. Um, obviously I have another semester of school to look forward to. Um, I am continuing my study of Hebrew. Uh, so I am looking forward to not getting behind in Hebrew two as I got behind in Hebrew one. Um, I guess that's one thing I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm also looking forward to a year of, of ministry. Uh, I will be participating and helping along with uh, the study that Ministry State will be doing on the house side through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and so I'm excited to spend some time studying that and then teaching it as well. Um, so yeah, just a lot, a lot to look forward to in 2022. Um, both in, in terms of ministry and in personal life. I am hoping too to get some more time to preach uh, in 2022, which is exciting. I do like being uh, in the pulpit. So, Well, we're kind of turning this into something of a tradition at the end of the year. Uh, and uh, whether it's for school or for work or for just enjoyment, um, Robert and I both enjoy reading. Uh, we enjoy books. Um, we've, uh, I think Robert has called himself a bibliophile, uh, an appreciator and lover of books and the written word. And so uh, what we want to do as we wind down this year is wanted to 
bring up and share a little bit about the top books that we read this year and what we liked about them. Uh, maybe an endorsement, maybe not, but definitely um, a, a discussion about just the books that we that we like and um, and why we enjoyed them. And so I chose I chose a few here. I have them next to me. Um, and the first one that I, do you have, are you ready, Robert? Do you have yours ready to go? Are you going to be ready? I do. I, I, okay. I am prepared and I, they're sitting right here as well. Do we want to do all of our five at a row or do we want to go back and forth? Let's do back and forth. I think, I think, I think that's uh, a good idea. It's good for people to hear this in live time, us working these things out uh, with one. Another. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so the first one I picked out is actually a book that I read recently and it is called Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Doerr. And Anthony Doerr uh, is a novelist. He won the Pulitzer Prize for writing All the Light We Cannot See. That came out in 2015, I think. And then this is his most recent novel. And it follows uh, different characters and well, in three large different time settings. You have the 15th century Constantinople. You have the 20th and 21st century in America, largely in uh, Idaho. And then you have a time in the future um, with people, I know I won't give a lot away, but it's the way that stories and books connect these people together and the way that they are interwoven. There are other themes that he, he brings into it, but it's a lot of the power of uh, the written word, the power of story. Um, it's, it's meaning for us. And he is a phenomenal writer. Um, he is just an incredible wordsmith and is very gifted at creating beautiful scenery and imagery. Um, so it was, it was a delightful, a delightful read. And I'm really glad that I had a chance to read this. Also, I recommended it to one of my aunts who's an English teacher. And so it was fun talking with her um, as I went through and she said, I think she said she's going to recommend it to her book club. And so we'll have to see what happens there. Awesome. I guess since you went with a work of fiction, I'm going to also pick my work of fiction that I wanted to recommend. Uh, and that is uh, a book that I finished just actually over Thanksgiving break. Um, Will, you know that I'm a big lover of science fiction. Um, and whenever I have a little bit of free time, I like to pick up a book of science fiction and read it. And the one I just recently finished, Alfred Bester's The Demolished Man, uh, which actually is the winner of the first Hugo Award, which the Hugo Award is sort of like the Pulitzer for science fiction. Um, so think of all like sort of the great science fiction novels that you've read maybe, or, or have heard about like Dune and others. Uh, these are all, you know, Hugo award winners. Um, and this one's set in the future and in the future, there is a sort of segment of people who have learned the art of telepathy and can read minds. Um, and it's sort of, it's on degrees, but the, the highest level, there's a few people who sort of have this ability and, and um, uh, they work in, in special fields in the future. And, and this is basically a crime noir. Uh, and what's interesting is that there's a, a murder takes place. And because of telepathy, because people can read each other's minds and can know if somebody has the intent to kill, there hasn't been a murder in, in decades. Um, and so finally there is a murder committed and Lincoln Powell, who is a, uh, third degree peeper, as they're called, uh, has to go on uh, a sort of a, a whodunit uh, story of, of figuring out. But the what it's called the demolished man is the ultimate punishment in the in the future uh, is to be demolished. And what it means is that 
the basically the the people who have the power of telepathy will go into your mind and basically start de deconstructing your uh, perception of reality. Um, and it actually has this really interesting. I was thinking about it in sort of biblical categories, where the character who we find out committed the murder um, is being demolished, and the first thing he notices is that he can't he doesn't see any stars. Um, and so he's, he's running around asking people in, in, in his figment of imagination, you know, where are the stars and people are, what are stars? And as he's going through other things of creation, other things start to sort of go away. And it's this idea of, of like the ultimate punishment is, is creation is undone um, until you, you're is sort of alone in darkness. And uh, for those of us who are Christians, that's a pretty good description of hell and uh, separation and alienation from God is, is to sort of have all these beautiful things that, that God made uh, and to, to have those things taken away from you. Uh, so I would recommend if you're into science fiction or just, you know, a good story, Alfred Bester's The Demolished Man. Okay, interesting. I have never heard of that one uh, or that author even. It's uh, there. So the, the high, the heyday of science fiction is really like post-World War II the fifties and the sixties. So um, Dune's a little bit later than that, but uh, yeah, that, that was just a great era of science fiction. So Alfred Bester, he's one of the, one of the best. Okay. Okay. You know, we talked about this over uh, lunch and um, uh, I, I prefer fantasy. You prefer science fiction. That's neither here nor there. We don't have time to talk about that, but um, so the second book that I have here stacked is, uh, a novel as well. So I chose two novels with one honorable mention. And this is the first novel I've ever read by Anne Patchett. And so she wrote Bel Canto. She recently read, uh, wrote the, the Dutch House, which I bought after reading this book, which is called The State of Wonder or State of Wonder. Um, it is about a, uh, a doctor who is in the Amazon uh, who is investigating something of a miracle drug. Uh, in regards to fertility and another doctor who was out there, who's working for a pharmaceutical company um, dies uh, that receives a letter that he has died. And so this woman goes out um, on behalf of the man's family to go into the rainforest uh, into the Amazon to hopefully retrieve his body and hopefully make contact and also see how this research is going. So it's a story um, in one sense about uh about love in a way, the extent of to which you will go for love in order for the, the people that you love. Um, she's also a phenomenal uh, writer and has a wonderful way with words. It's a beautifully told story um, and uh, really vivid characters and also vivid world also that she creates. I enjoyed it and just didn't want to put it down, but um, yeah, it's a fantastic book and if you uh if you, and they say here on the back there's a quote by npr if like if you're looking for uh an escape novel that doesn't doesn't um doesn't compromise on literary elegance this is the book you want to read and so it's this really great blend that feels like you're escaping but it's also very substantive um i really love this book i recommend it and the one that gets honorable mention it's a book called 2034 um, by admiral stavridis and elliot ackerman that is a fiction account about the next world war. And it's, um, man, it's, it's kind of harrowing, a little scary, but well-told uh, adventure uh, action story 
And uh, that's just a fun, fun, quick, easy read. Fairly heavy topic, obviously, but it's a it's an enjoyable read nonetheless. I heard a podcast where they interviewed uh, those authors, and I put that list. I put that book on my list of things I want to read here pretty soon. So hopefully, I'll have some time. And so it's encouraging to hear you recommend it as well. So I'll have to definitely pick it up and uh, and check it out. Yeah, it's it's a, it's you can devour it. It's it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, man, I, so I'm out of fiction, so I, I got to kind of change genres here. Um, I'll go with this one because uh, I wrote I read this for school, and it was one of those very um, sort of. I mean, obviously you get assigned a lot of good books in seminary, but this was sort of a fun assignment because it was so unlike anything I've ever read in seminary. Um, and uh, I know another pastor who picked it up, uh, actually who's been on this podcast, Mr. Porter Hollow. Uh, and that book is called uh, The 21, uh, A Journey into the Land of Coptic Martyrs. Uh, and uh, if uh, maybe you, our listeners will remember this, but I think it was in 20... Um, it was in the year 2015, 2016. I can't remember exactly. Um, but if you remember, there was a video that I think some people saw, or at least people heard about uh, the 21 Coptic martyrs who were murdered by ISIS, beheaded by ISIS. Um, and this book is by Martin Mosbach, who is a German author, I believe, um, and sort of a kind of a cross between a novelist and journalist. Um He's kind of a storyteller. Uh, and he basically went to Egypt and tried to learn as much as he could about the families of the men who were murdered uh, and about their faith. And I think it's sort of, it, it, it fits within what we know about martyrdom, which is it's both incredibly gruesome and harrowing, but at the same time, you just can't help but be attracted to it. Um, that there's something special about it that you you want to draw yourself closer to, um, and that this book really captures those those kind of competing or or paradoxical feelings about martyrdom, um, and I think it's a good it's a good book for um, Christians uh, in the West. Um, I think especially as we might be approaching a time of more severe persecution, um, maybe not perhaps to this level, uh, but certainly uh, maybe more political. Uh, persecution. And uh, it's really interesting to, to listen to the testimonies of the families and, and the, the priests and just the, the, the community of the Coptic church in Egypt and um, how resilient and strong their faith is. And, it, you know, it's, it's really kind of funny. There's, here's this Westerner asking them sort of, you know, what is going on? How could you ever, you know, be okay with what happened? And, and, story after story is family being like, what, like, this is what we do. This is what Christians do. And, um, it was just a very encouraging book. Um, a very sober, sobering book. Um, but, uh, kind of one of those fun books. That's also sort of part journalism, part theology, which uh, I would highly, highly recommend. Okay. I'm going to go to choose my next book here. That is, that is a book I would recommend for people who are interested in um, current moral issues in our American context and having good arguments, well-reasoned, thought-out arguments for holding the beliefs that we do. And it's a book by Robert George, Robbie P. George, uh, professor at Princeton, really uh, incredible man, absolutely brilliant man. We're big fans. We're big fans of, of Robbie George. 
big, big time. And uh, the book is called Conscience and Its Enemies. And uh, it's more of a collection of essays than a single book, but it's a collection of essays that largely touch on the topics of uh, abortion and same-sex marriage. And so in both of those areas, Robert George is a Roman Catholic and he holds to a conservative Orthodox understanding of both of those, I would say. And so he gives some incredibly well-reasoned, well-thought-out arguments for the pro-life cause and for why we should be pro-life. And then he also does the same thing for traditional marriage. And uh, he provides a, a wonderful definition for what uh, the, the basis for traditional marriage and why same-sex marriage does not fall into that. Um, and I think what's great about George, among other things, is that for as brilliant and learned of a man that he is, he is very accessible. I mean, reading him is not a chore at all. And that is, I mean, we've all read people like, yeah, this guy's really brilliant, but I have a lot of heart. Like it, it's work a lot of times. This is a book that is, um, maybe because it's essays, is um, you're like, oh yeah, I, I totally see what he's saying here, which is just a wonderful gift to the reader. And um, so I, yeah, I would recommend this book uh, for both of those. And and the last thing I'll say is, you know, as we look at this, uh, how the pro-life cause seems to be making mega strides forward. Um, a lot of the stance that Christians can take um, for being pro-life is because we're able to stand on the generations and decades behind us that have so been so vigilant about saying, no, 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 this is a life that is being killed and we can't allow laws that allow that to happen. Uh, I would argue for the same thing will, will be one of two ways in the future when it comes to traditional marriage. It will either be because Christians have for decades and decades and decades said, no, marriage is between a man and a woman. And here's why. Here is the reason why that people are able to look at that and then maybe overturn the Supreme Court decision in the future. But uh, that will only happen um, if we are thoughtful about it today for what can hopefully happen at some point in the future. But um, Lord willing, there will be generations in the future who can stand on the shoulders of us um, here and and allow for change to take place in the future. Yeah, that's well said. That's that's fascinating. I think, I think the next book I will point out is a book I recently finished a couple months ago, or not a couple months ago, because it came out, I think, in early November, maybe, maybe late October, but very recently, uh, is... Alan Noble's book, You Are Not Your Own. And this was, this was a very popular book uh, here in the last, last half of the year. Um, I know it was sort of, I think it was the number one book in sort of in Christian religion on Amazon. And I know that um, uh, Alan Noble has gotten a lot of attention for it. And, and well, you know, for good reason. I think it's a great book. Um, I'm not 100% convinced by all the arguments made in it. Uh, but I do think that uh, it is a helpful book. Um, I'll actually be writing a review of it for Ministry to State, which I'll save some of my commentary for that. I think uh, one thing I'll just, I'll just briefly mention uh, is he has a great image about, you know, sort of the angst or the anxiety that we feel uh, in modern America today. And he talks about a, a lion uh, who is uh, in a zoo. And if you ever go to a zoo and you, and you look at the lion's uh, typically what happens is the, the lion, the male lion, especially will sort of just pace and they'll kind of continue going in a, in the same direction and, and pace for a long period of time. Um, and 
there's this idea this is not the environment that this lion was made for. And the zoo will do everything it can to recreate the, the um, environment that, it, that the lion comes from as best as it can, but it can never be perfect, right? It, it, the lion will still never really experience a hunt, um, which is what it was made to do. Um, it will never experience the open and wide, you know, uh, Serengeti uh, as it was made to. Um, and basically Alan Noble says, you know, that's kind of what we are. You know, we live in this, in this environment now as humans uh, that's so saturated with technology and um, consumerism and a couple other things that he lists. And, you know, we're told, see, we've, we've tried to do it and we've, we've um, curated it for you. And, and we've tried to make it as, as fit for you as best as possible, but we still sort of rub up against it because it's not exactly what we were made. We were not made for virtual spaces. Um, we were not made to have, you know, all of this power and resources at, at sort of the, at our fingertips. Um, and, uh, I, I think some of his arguments about individualism versus, um, covenantalism, I think are interesting. I, I want to parse through those some more, but, uh, it's definitely worth the time. And it's a, obviously a very, um, well written book. Um, and it's full of really good images and he has some really good commentary on things like um, pornography and uh, the objectification and consumerism uh, that's affiliated with that. And I would absolutely uh, recommend at least that chapter um, to anybody. So you are not your own belonging to God in an inhuman world by Alan Noble. Will, what else you got? So I got two more. Okay. Um, gosh, the desire to share more. This is a book I read over the summer by a world war II historian that I really enjoy. His name's James Scott actually living in South Carolina, and it's called Rampage, MacArthur, Yamashita, and the Battle of Manila. So MacArthur, in reference, Douglas MacArthur, Yamashita was a Japanese general during World War II. And um, it is a story, it is a detailed story of what the people of Manila went through after Douglas MacArthur evacuated. The Japanese came in, took over, and just brutalized these people. And then the war, the battle that took place when the Americans came back in to recapture Manila. And um, it's, they, they, they compare this actually to Nanking. And so the rape of Nanking and just the, the absolute carnage that took place there during World War II, I think it was 300,000 people were killed in mm -hmm. Nanking. And I think about over a hundred thousand people were killed in Manila in this, um, in this assault. And, uh, casualties from American artillery fire as well because they were trying to get the Japanese out and there was so such proximity between the Japanese and the people of Manila. Um, but it, it was a, it is incredibly well-written. There are stories of heroism and um, stories of courage in here as well. And I've enjoyed, as we've discussed, talking about um, uh, World War II books in the Pacific theater during the summer. And so I wanted to include that as one of the books that I read this summer uh, on World War II history. Very nice. That's, that's one also that you you've told me about that. I really want to pick up. Um, I feel like uh, everyone is either a civil war person or a world war II person. You kind of like get into either one. And I've historically been more of a civil war person, but I've been wanting to broaden at least a little bit of my world war II history. So I'm going to probably add that to my list. I also have a history book that I would like to recommend. Um, uh, actually uh, one of the, I just noticed that one of the per people that wrote a, little blurb for it was 
Robert P. George. So, um, and that is uh, Land of Hope, an invitation to the great American story by Wilford M. McClay. I noticed today, just briefly um, looking uh, on an article that Kevin DeYoung also recommended this as one of his honorable mentions of books that he read, um, but he did, I did not copy him. He copied me. Um, uh, so this is actually a textbook. It's a, it's a textbook that, that McClay wrote, I think essentially for like middle school to high school students. Um, I, I learned a lot about the, the business of textbooks um, in an interview that he did and basically how ideological uh, history textbooks in particular have become and the amount of historiography that is being done at that level instead of sort of pure history. And uh, this is a great textbook. I would highly recommend it, especially if you're homeschooling or, or, or maybe you assign books for your, your teacher and you assign books. This uh, book, basically its main thesis is that um, people either want to defend or either want to tell the story of America, or I should say this, they want to tell the history of America, you know, purely through the land and like the people sort of a blood and soil kind of history, or especially today, that's a little bit, that's more popular is this sort of America is just this, is this this place of ideas and it's just the ideas that matter. Um, and Wilfred McClay basically says, no, they go hand in hand. The, the land shapes the people um, and it also shapes the, and also it shapes the ideas. And so like a perfect example of this, right, is the, is the Western frontier um, and the way that it is held a place in the American psyche. Um, he does a very good job, I think, of, of both uh, emphasizing and pointing out um, the, the dark spots on America's history, uh, especially as it relates to slavery um, and Jim Crow. Uh, but it also tells the noble sides of our history that I think are often overlooked or glossed over because they're not really popular anymore. Um, and I think does a very good job of, of telling the American story. Um, and uh, I got through it in a weekend. It's, it's that quick of a read. Um, and it's not just the main things. You'll get some little details that are sort of interesting historical facts as well. Um, but just a really awesome textbook uh, that I think is, is great for both the adult reader and something I think kids will like as well. So Land of Hope, The Invitation to the Great American Story by Wilfred McClay. Okay. I am going to choose my last one here. And uh, my last one is by Oz Guinness, one of my favorite thinkers. And this is a book that he published back in the 70s that was republished by InterVarsity Press recently. And it's called The Dust of Death, How the 60s Counterculture, what? The Dust of Death, The 60s Counterculture, and How It Changed America Forever. And something you and I joke about, at least off air, is that, uh, you know, it's the 60s again, man. There's a lot of stuff that's happening today. It's like, what is going on? And um, there's a Turnpike Troubadour song about this, I believe. Uh, it's called 1968 yeah. by them. But the, the um, I think a lot of what we're experiencing today is an outworking of things that were sown and begun in the sixties and then just continued to work themselves out in culture. The, the passage from Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, what we're experiencing now, a lot of it was tried and experienced in the sixties and it's just taking new shape. And so the book is broken up into 10 chapters. Um, the first one's called the strip tease of humanism. And so the temptation of humanism, which another book that's really great 
um, is by a guy named Daniel Mahoney. That's called the idol of our age. That is um, the idol of, of humanism. Uh, and uh, anyways, that's a great read because it, it, it shows how that is set up as an, how that is set up as an alternative to Christianity. Um, but he, you know, he has these 10 chapters here and then it goes on to like utopia or oblivion, the great refusal. So he's talking about, like, he talks about everything from um, violence and culture to technological advancements to um, uh, the hippies to uh, there are all these different areas that he discusses. So it's kind of like he takes it, these different threads and weaves them together and says, Hey, look, here's what happened. Uh, but he also does a phenomenal job of ending the book for what is the different story that Christians have to tell? What, what are the truth claims of Christianity that we have to give a world considering what it's like? And I would say this book is recommended because as we consider what the world that doesn't know Jesus, what they're going after, where people are looking to find fulfillment, uh, very similar things in a lot of ways to the, to the 60s and what was going on then. And so as Christians, are we able to see that and say like, Hey, I think this is, I think this is not going to give you what you're actually looking for. And, and we are able to turn to the gospel and say, here's what Christianity is. Here's who Jesus is. And we want to give you this instead. So I really recommend the dust of death uh, as a book. That is a wonderful cultural synopsis. Yes, it was a long time ago, but it is still very relevant today, especially in understanding how we got to where we are today uh, in 20, almost 2022. Um. Since you guys are doing honorable mention, I'm going to briefly mention my honorable mention. Um, I don't have it with me because I rent, I checked it out from the library, uh, but it's The Age of Eisenhower uh, by uh, William Hitchcock. And uh, it's, it's a very long biography of Eisenhower. Um, not so much about his um, time as general, while there is a lot of there is some of that in there. Um, it really is more focused on the post-war uh, period, particularly his presidency. Um, and uh, I think one of the one of the arguments that Hitchcock is making is that you know you can't really understand the 1950s unless you understand Dwight D. Eisenhower um, and what he stood for. And uh, he's Eisenhower is a very interesting character. I didn't know all of these things about him. I think he he kind of gets. Um, maybe a little bit overlooked in some ways. He's kind of like Ulysses S grant in that, you know, they're both obviously uh, generals, military leaders that turn president. Um, but we, we sort of think of them as their, as war heroes and their presidencies as sort of, you know, uh, uh, things to kind of overlook or, you know, not that significant. Um, and Eisenhower's like that in particular, people think he was kind of a, a president who didn't do much because, a lot, not a lot, uh, not a whole lot did happen uh, under his presidency. Uh, but Eisenhower is really a key figure in the 1950s, and is sort of um, doing a lot of things and influencing the the American culture and and story uh, in ways that we don't necessarily appreciate until we look back on it. Uh, one of the things that I thought was so interesting is that basically Eisenhower refused to campaign. He didn't want to, he didn't want to do that. He basically wanted the American people just to, to nominate him and, and want him to be president. And he didn't really want to go out and seek people's votes, which is just kind of an interesting thing when you think about presidencies and, and elections now these days. Um, so that was my honorable mention. And I won't talk as much about the next one because I couldn't do it justice. I couldn't do the argument justice. Um, but I'll just say if anybody out there is really interested in kind of what is going on in evangelicalism, how do we understand the ex-evangelical movement that's 
that's gaining so much ground uh, in 2021 and is sure to be popular in 2022. Um, even if you're inclined to disagree, I would recommend that you at least pick up and read um, Deconstructing Evangelicalism by D.G. Hart. Um, it really is a magnificent analysis of the movement um, from uh, it, the subtitle, I think, does Conservative Protestantism in the Age of Billy Graham. Uh, and uh, I think that there is a lot that he points out, um, sort of uh, strains of evangelicalism that kind of are being unraveled now, because if you kind of go all the way back, you sort of realize they're loose construction in the first place. So um, yeah, D.G. Hart's Deconstructing Evangelicalism is my last book recommendation of the year. Okay. Well, and, and let's end by saying we are excited to announce that we will, one of our favorite books that we didn't mention, but that we loved and uh, encouraged us and nourished us this year was Confessing the Faith. That ah, is the yes. guide to Westminster uh, Confession of Faith. And in just a couple of weeks, we are very excited and honored to have on the author of that book, Chad Van Dixhorn, will be on to talk about his work, uh, his scholarship, um, and then also chapter 23, which we did a series on and how Christians ought to think about how the Westminster Confession, chapter 23, is able to support, help, strengthen uh, our faith and how we how we live. So really excited about that. One to plug that as something coming up in the new year. But that, those are all the books that I have um, for me. Yep. I, I think there's so many that to pick from, like you said, you know, I, I, I was watching you uh, kind of keep glancing at your bookshelf. I know that there were there was more that you wanted to mention. Um, I don't have anything else. I mean, I read a lot, and a lot of it's worth mentioning. But I don't have anything else to to plug. Um, the book that's that's taking up the most time right now for me is Futato's Beginning Biblical Hebrew. But I would not recommend that. that. I would not recommend that to the average reader, um, unless you're really interested in learning Hebrew. Very curious. <laughs> um, but uh, as always, thank you for. Uh, listening and thank you for uh, listening this year. It was a great year of, of episodes, and I know there's a lot of highlights when I when I think back uh, about it. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Artie Hassler. Will's at Stockdale Will. Uh, you can follow Ministry State uh, uh, also on Twitter and Facebook, um, and you can also visit our website at ministrystate.org. Please um, share the podcast with your family, with your friends, uh, the person that you bump into on the metro or on the sidewalk. Tell them about the show and uh, leave us a review. Uh, we do love to see uh, y'all's comments and questions. And with that, we'll see you guys again next year. 